This podcast is part of the Everyday Heroes Podcast Network, the network for first responders and those who support them. All right, welcome back. Scissors and Scrubs. Scissors. World renowned. Summer series. Ever famous mm-hmm. summer series. I'm Nicole. I'm Laura. And we're bringing you back some more water issues. Yes. So I chose scuba diving. Mm-hmm. My husband is an avid scuba diver. He has not listened to an episode in years, but <laughs> took all of my scuba information that I had today and made sure I was talking correct scuba terminology. Oh, good. Thank God. God we we always like to be very correct. Because this very morning, he went scuba diving. Yes. Came home with no lobsters, which is usually the deal. If you go scuba diving, I get lobsters. He's been coming home empty-handed. I said, yeah, I don't care if you go to Market Basket. Get me some Just bring lobsters. lobsters. <laughs> I want lobster salad. All right. Scuba. Mm-hmm. Self-contained underwater breathing apparatus. I always forget that stands for That's something. what it means mm-hmm. for. All right. So... Do I want to go history first, or do I want to go through equipment? Do the history. Let's do a little history, and we'll get into equipment. Don't let me forget to do the equipment, because I tend to forget. All right. And it's a very small history, because it really, literally every fucking person who put an air hose underwater was mentioned in this article. So we're just going to, when I tell you brush over it, we're brushing over it. All right. 1715, Englishman John Lethbridge successfully invents an underwater diving machine which was basically a metal thing he sat in and somebody put air in into it? it from the top wow um and since that day people have been trying to find a way to explore underwater like mr limpet a fish mm-hmm. it isn't until 1942 when who do you think i'm going to talk about with scuba diving Laura? oh jacques Michel. yes jacques Cousteau, the ever Ever as in, what did they, they say? The puffer fish with his little French accent. Him and Emily Gagnon designed the first reliable and commercially successful open circuit scuba, also known as the Aqualung. Oh. Then diving starts taking a recreational turn. Mm-hmm. So I have an uncle who was a diver in the Navy. And if you've watched the movie with Cuba Gooding Jr., Men of Honor, Medal of Honor, well, Men of Integrity, yeah. something. Me- yeah, some, me- something like that. Something He's also, yeah. they're in those massive thousand pound, like these suits weigh a ton because that's how they didn't have weight belts. You mm. would be weighted by the boots. And they had the big diving bell, which everybody's seen that, a little windows with little grates on it. I love those. And on the top would be. Um, an ox, uh, not oxygen. I was corrected today. It's not oxygen pumped in there. It's air. Yeah. Would be pumped in there, and you need a gap between your eyes and the mask so you can see. So that's how they would, and they'd do all kinds of work underwater on ships and all kinds of shit. So after those divers, um, and I think you know, I'm sure commercial diving, extreme diving, still has some kind of a suit like that because diving to try to put the human body in an atmosphere it's not supposed to be in. It's very difficult. Mm-hmm. So, um, scuba. So that's just like when I told you brief, it's fucking brief. <laughs> All right. So scuba. You wear a wetsuit or you wear a dry suit. Literally, the name defines the difference. A wetsuit is like a wetsuit you see when somebody's, you know, in the ocean. They look like a seal. And it when you go underwater, water fills the suit. Your body heats up the layer between the suit and the water and you die. 
in New England, you can only wear a wetsuit really in the summertime because it's really too cold any other time. Brian's got this new layer he wears underneath that he claims is just the fucking best. And now he doesn't get cold or whatever. I don't, I just, whatever. <laughs> a dry suit is, it's got, you know, rubber seals around your neck, your wrists and your ankles and you could wear clothes underneath water does not get in okay so you could wear long johns or mm-hmm. thermal underwear long johns i'm going 1980 on her ass <laughs> i still call them long, yeah, long johns um thermal underwear underneath you can dress warmer it's and you can be in the water and you can be in colder water for longer periods of time okay. on top of your wetsuit dry suit you are going to wear a it's called a bc buoyancy compensator i can't remember what the c stands for but it they call it a bc and it inflates with air and this is how you regulate yourself underwater it when you are diving you want to be kind of horizontal all right and if your buoyancy is off you're either swimming like a seahorse mm-hmm. or you're swimming with your head down you don't want to be swimming like that you're going to be so that allows you to compensate like if your head's tipping you yes you push it, you something can, yes it may, it, and it also um helps you to come back up to the surface the more you get in because when you're going underwater, people should know this, but in case you don't, water crushes. Mm-hmm. It collapses things. So you have air tanks on your back, and the air tanks have like 3,000 PSIs in them. All right. The regulator, which is connected to the air tank, which goes into your mouth, that regulates the air, the air from the tank so that you can breathe it. So it changes the PSI from the tank to your mouth because you cannot breathe in mm-hmm. the pressure in the tank. The BC is going to get more compressed as you go further down because the air is getting pushed out of it and it's going to expand more. This will come in later. It'll expand more as you come to the surface. So you've got your BC on, you've got the regulator on, the regulator's connected to your tanks, goes in your mouth. Most regulators have an octopus regulator so that if you're diving when you're diving with your buddy because you should never dive alone if they come into trouble you can get them enough oxygen to get them to the surface it also has a computer system on it the computer tells you how much air is in the tank how deep your dive is how what the actual time is it's a compass it's everything to keep you safe underwater Mm -hmm. and you got your mask which is you know when you're going into the water because you're getting squeezed just like in an airplane, you have to equalize your ears or it feels like you have uh, screwdrivers in them and you have to keep equalizing your mask, which can get scary because when you're underwater and your mask fills with water, it's terrifying. Yeah. And I know this because I took scuba years ago. My open water dive was a disaster, so I never went back in. I took it as a sign from God. I'm not meant to be a scuba <laughs> diver. not go in the water. No, not for me. My BC leaked. My weight belt was in the air. And then on top of that, you have a weight belt. And the bigger you are, the more weight you need to keep you down. Otherwise, you're going to bob up like a cork. All right. I think I've covered all the scuba equipment. Okay. So since people have been scuba diving, people have died. In 1832, Charles Condert uh, from New York is testing his new dive equipment in the East River. And he dies. He's one of the first recorded diving deaths. And scuba-related deaths are fairly uncommon, but they do happen. Mm -hmm. And most recur as a direct result of lack of concentration, overconfidence, or sheer negligence. Mm -hmm. Deaths are associated with poor gas management, poor buoyancy control, Mm -hmm. equipment misuse, entrapment, rough water conditions, pre-existing health conditions, which is 
huge, mm-hmm. huge. Um, almost anybody who dies, obviously, they're going to say it's drowning, but the drowning is masking what really caused right. the death. So these pre-existing health, I mean, heart attacks are huge. And yeah. Brian will say, like, you got to get in dive shape because you're usually diving in the summer. It's hot and you're putting all this equipment on and it's hot while mm-hmm. you're putting the equipment on. And you're putting on heavy stuff before you, I mean, when the water, it's not heavy, but right. when you're walking with air tanks and all the shit, it's hot. So these people, some of these divers, they're a little bit overweight. A lot of them have fucking heart attacks, and Brian's been on a couple where he's like, "It's a little scary." These guys are not coming back. They're not coming back up. You can have an atrial gas embolism, also known. This is a frequently cited cause of death. So we're going to go over a few statistics. From 2006 to 2015, about 306 recreational dives were made. That seems low. That that number's not right. I don't know what I wrote. Because about 563 dive-related deaths occurred during that time. I think that's 1,000. 306,000? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's 306,000 dives were made and 563 dive-related deaths occurred at that time. Makes sense. 50% of the diving deaths occurred to people with less than 20 dives under their belt. But then 50% occurred with more than 20 dives. So it's kind of a funny number. 40% 40% of those died with their weight belt still on. Oh. 80%, 86% died or was, uh, were alone or separated from their diving buddy. Mm-hmm. 50% did not inflate their BC. 25% first got into difficulty at the surface and continued to try to dive. Okay. Uh, f- that was 25%, excuse me. 50% died on the surface, never even made it down below oh 10% were under training when they died 10% had been told they were medically unfit to dive but did it anyway oh my God. 5% were cave diving nope, nope. and 1% of divers attempting to rescue another diver died mm-hmm. so causes, causes of death after they've determined that you drown you have asphyxia because you've run out of gas or you ascended too quickly because of buoyancy problems Air embolisms, it can rupture your lungs, it can rupture your cerebral artery, and it's usually caused because you try to ascend too quickly. Because a lot of people, to dive, you have to be calm because mm-hmm. you're going to panic. And mm-hmm. as soon as you panic, you're going to run out of air, and then you're going to freak, and you're going to, and you're like, some of these dives, you can be 100 feet down. Which I get if all of a sudden yes. my tank is like, hey, you have no air, and I'm 100 feet under right. the sand. I'm going to be like, and like, right. put, like right. flying. Some, when I say some people will just, whoosh, and it's shoot to the top. And then get the ends, right? Well, it's you blow your lungs because yeah. you're compressed to a hundred feet. That's a lot of pressure on the yeah. human body. There's a reason that when they go really deep, you're in something because you get compressed mm-hmm. and you have to slowly allow your lungs to readjust to the atmosphere above. Um, they go into cardiac arrest, or they have trauma like they're stuck struck by a watercraft, they tumble over a rock, rocky surface. Or they were electrocuted underwater cables. Um, Marine animals. Shark comes up, takes the legs off. Or as we'll talk about another one at the end of the podcast. All right. And these, the traumatic injuries are usually associated with rough water conditions. So if you're going, you should look at the water. If it's rough, you call off the dive. Mm -hmm. Um, Brian was supposed to go on a boat dive last year. The water was wild and they called it off, which Mm -hmm. they should have. Because what happens too is... So the boat's on the surface, you're underneath, but, you know, Brian was saying he dove, 
and he's watching the anchor of the boat go away because the water was carrying the boat even though the anchor was on the bottom. Mm-hmm. And now he's got to catch up to the boat. Right. And you get lost. It's a disaster. It can be really, really bad. Okay. So, another big issue for divers is the bends mm-hmm. or decompression syndrome. The So, the bends is caused by the formation of gas bubbles that occur because of pressure changes. Mainly nitrogen gas becomes an issue when it becomes out of the solution, i.e. blood, and forms bubbles. It affects any body area, but mainly joints, lungs, heart, skin, and brain. It's seen with scuba divers and people who do aerospace events. Because again, Mm -hmm. once you leave the atmospheric pressure of the earth, you have changed how your body does. So the example they give for the bends is like a bottle of Coke. When you're looking at a bottle of Coke and you've done nothing to it, you cannot see the carbonation bubbles in the Coke. Mm -hmm. The moment you crack the cap, all the bubbles come up because you've changed the pressure Mm -hmm. of the bottle. The same thing happens in the body. So once you've changed the pressure on the body, all the bubbles want to come out. Okay. Um, all right, so that was that example. The bends are directly related to the depth of a diver, the depth he's gone to, the amount of time he's there under pressure, and the rate of the ascent. Symptoms of the bends are most common is joint pain, shoulder, and elbows mostly. Extreme tiredness. Rashes or marbling, as we like to say modeling, mm-hmm. may be very itchy and known as the creeps. So the article I was doing, um, the creeps is associated with your dive suit and the gases and everything, but the advertisement went right over it. So we're just going to say the creeps. Is it like crepitus? No, it has to do with the material touching your skin and the bubbles. It makes it very, very itchy. Or you can get the chokes, which could be dirty. Burning pain in the chest, usually upon inhalation. You can cough, you have difficulty breathing, cyanosis, and it can quickly progress to shock. Jesus. Your lymph nodes can swell. You can have pain in your head, neck, or torso, and you can get the staggers. You can get the chokes, you can get the staggers, or you can get the creeps. (laughs) Jesus, could you just... I don't know, I guess these divers like this shit. Uh, The staggers looks like the inner ear problem with the dizziness, vomiting, ringing in the ears. Um, And if you experience any of these symptoms you need to immediately seek medical attention. It said you could treat it at home. Basically, treating it at home was, you come home, you start feeling the bends. This is what you do when you take them to the hospital. You want to lie them uh, supine mm-hmm. and keep them one level to keep the bubbles, I guess, from moving around. You have to go to a hospital with a hyperbaric chamber yeah. where they have to bring you back to the pressure you're at, put the bubbles back in, and slowly bring you back to where you should be. Okay. So that's diving. Many... Many things can go wrong with diving. I'm too. I like like doing. Oh, it's stuff. beautiful down there. That makes me so nervous. Yes, scuba diving makes me very nervous. Yes, it's beautiful down there. And when you watch that Cuba Gooding Jr. episode, and he's there's a scene. He's in the diving bell, and they got the big fucking tube, and he's underwater, and the Russian submarine comes and picks his tube. And drags him down the length of the... I don't know if this really happened to the... Because it is a true story on this diver. I don't know if it really happened to this diver. But you see him basically getting shot down. Connected to the tube. There's nothing he can do. And then you see the propellers (gasps) of the fucking submarine coming. And by the grace of God, he survives. But terrifying. Absolutely fucking terrifying. Um, So, yes, many things can go wrong. We're not going to keep getting into how many things can go wrong. But many can go wrong. Mm -hmm. And having talked... To my husband, he's been on dives where um, 
they were underwater. It was choppy. They lost the line. They resurfaced like a mile from the boat. They have to swim on the surface back and you're tired. No, That's you how you drown. Friggin' tanks yeah. on you. And you are tired. Yeah. And he and my brother had talked about this and how they finally found the boat and it was a uh, life-changing experience. He has many life-changing experiences. Mm -hmm. So um, you can have things like that happen. They He sees whales. He sees seals. You can see sharks. Excuse me. And it all depends, too, where you dive. Right. Diving in the Caribbean is easy. It's warm. The water's clear. It's different. Trying to dive in New England can be very difficult. Mm -hmm. The water's cold. The water's cloudy. Die. The water's <laughs> rough. It's a whole different experience. Okay. So we're going to move back in time to June 21st, 2020. Pensacola, Florida. Down south, beautiful water. Mm -hmm. Coast Guard gets a call for an emergency about 12 nautical miles off the beach. A 48-year-old man tried to ascend too quickly and went into cardiac arrest. A 28-year-old diver dives in to find him, finds him dead on the bottom of the ocean, brings him up, finds him unconscious on the bottom of the ocean, brings him up. Uh, at this point, the Coast Guard has shown up. 48-year-old's pronounced dead on scene, but now the 28-year-old is starting to have issues because he came up too quickly. He has he's to, trying to save yes, the guy. He has to get mid-flighted out to... Um, a local hospital. My big story is February 6, 2014, Norway. Okay, so now that I've mentioned Norway, you're going to realize that the names are nearly impossible to pronounce. So you have to be patient with me because they've got those umlauts and slashes and weird shit above their names and double vowels and it's fucking brutal. So I'm going to butcher everybody's Every name in the story. Mm -hmm. All right. So Norway has a huge pond called the Plura, which all I can think of is the Lund. Oh, wow. okay. It has under the Plura is a half kilometer, um, half kilometer down is a cave system. You can. Nope. And when I'm I tell you, going swimming in that when I tell you pond. a cave system, it's extensive cave system. Most normal dives my husband does is like 45 minutes. You come up. You change tanks, you go down again, another four or five minutes, you're done. These are five-hour dives. Yeah. And they're cold water dives. So their equipment, when you do these deep water dives, they, they use, um, it's called nitrox. I think it's a mixture of arc, of gases to help your body. It's a whole lot. I'm not going to get into it because it gets really complicated with all the shit these divers do. But it's more complicated than This is a very yeah. big dive. Um, yeah, do you know what? In those caves are those like sea monster looking fish. Yes. I'm not going down there. But the caves. I don't even want to put my feet in that water. A narrow <gasps> and jagged. And now, if you're eels. doing, yes, if no. you're doing a cave dive, a five hour cave dive, 110 meters down, which is really far fucking down, you break, you get one snag in that wetsuit, you're dead. Or your dry suit, you're dead. It's going to depressurize, you're fucking done. So I'm all set. I'm good. So they, um, when you get into this cave system, you pop into like a grotto underwater cave and you can literally, it's air. Yeah. So you can get in there, you can breathe, you go back in and you end up in this Stein Ugflaget <laughs> other underwater cave. So you've gone five hours in through these caves, you end up in Stein Ugflaget <laughs> and at the top of Stein Ugflaget is a hole in the ceiling and that's how you exit and you get out and you're back in the fucking pond. Okay. okay. So, it's very deep, very cold, and you have to go through a crack in the ceiling to get out. All right. 
So February 6th, 2014, five Finnish divers go for this five-hour, 130-meter dive. All right, here we go. Patrick <laughs> Grockquist. He's easy. Patrick. Got him. Jari Hutarinen. Hutarinen. Vesa Rantenen. Jari Usamaki. And Kai Kankena. That's mm-hmm. what I'm going with. Okay. And I'm going to try. I, I think. I don't know. They were like more extensive. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm switching around here. They have to cut a hole in the ice of the flora because it's fucking wintertime when they're doing this. What? Yep. And they start their dive. Oh my okay. God. About an hour and a half into the dive, going through very narrow tunnels in very cold water, Patrick and Jari, they're in the deepest part. So the, it goes down and then it goes way, way down and then it comes up. So they're at the way, way down part. Mm-hmm. There's no fucking way I would do no. this. So Patrick is going and he looks back and he can't find uh, Jari. We're going to call him Jari. Right? There's two Jaris in this, but we're going with Jari H. So Jari H is nowhere to find him. So he goes back to find him and Jari H is stuck in this narrow part of the cave. He's gotten caught up in his own equipment. So he can't, he's, he's stuck. Mm-hmm. So, um, and he's using like a torch to signal I'm, I've, I'm having a problem. So Jari H is panicking now. And when you panic, you start sucking through all your fucking air. <sighs> now these guys, they have to worry about hypercarbia, like the more CO2, because they wind up rebreathing shit. So they have to be careful of carbon dioxide. So they carry special tanks with them. Patrick goes to give Jari H the extra tank and kind of calm him down. As the switching out takes, Jari's like, <laughs> and he starts sucking in the water. He dies in front of his eyes. Like, fucking dies in front of his eyes. Oh, Patrick's God. like, shit, what do I do? Do I try to get around him and go back out but it's going to take me forever right and now i have to worry about the bends right. or do i continue to go into the cave by yourself and when they went in jari h and patrick are the first group the other three are behind them so now they're gonna so they're gonna come into this so he decides i i'm gonna have to keep going forward it's the only way to do and every extra minute you're down there adds on like hours of decompression time on how long it's going to take you before you can ascend. Okay. So Patrick goes forward. He tried to free his friend. He, you know, he was going to try to get him out because they have. But this... you can only take so long. Right. right. And he's really stuck. And they have this code among divers: no diver left behind. It's kind of like I guess they think they're army rangers or shit. Nobody's left behind. So they, he's tr- he really tried. He can't get him out. And um, he can't go straight to the surface because he'll get the bends. So. He, he goes, like I said, because he's so deep for so long, he's added on 20 more minutes. It's going to take hours before he can resurface. So he finds, he winds up going more and he gets into Staga Guggen Flagen Cave. So now here come the rest of the divers. Vesa Rantanen, he's the first to hit the dead guy, Jari H. And he's like, what the fuck? Now what do I do? Do I pass him and go into the cave? Or do I try to go back but now he's gonna fight the other two it's like a one way right it's not room to there's no room to really turn around he struggles 20 minutes to get around Mm -hmm. jari h and he winds up meeting patrick in the cave so unbeknownst to him another struggle is going on behind him so um 
that just the struggle to get around the body added three hours to his decompression time. And what is it like 20 minutes, three hours to his decompression time, but he's running low on gas. So he has to ascend 80 minutes earlier than he would boom right in the hospital with the bends. So while they're doing this and he's trying to pass the two divers behind him, Kai Kincannon and Jari Yu start having their own difficulties. Kai Kankarn, I'll get into that in a minute. Okay, so they start having their own problems. They don't really know what happened because the survivor does not remember, nor does he want to talk about it. So they don't really know what happened. What they theorize is that Usamaki, uh, Jari Yu, sees Jari H dead, freaks the fuck out. Kai tries to help him. He dies too. Now there's two dead bodies in this time. Kai dies? Nope. Jari Yu. He dies. So they, he's like, he winds up going back the way he came. He can't, now he's not going to get through both bodies. So he goes back the way he came. 11 hours after beginning the dive, the three of them wind up surfacing and they all have to get hospitalized for the bends. It's been a fucking disaster. So now here comes the Norwegian police. I'm sure they're very nice people, but I just think of the chef and the Muppets. All right. So the Norwegian police, they investigate and they, it's, the story's much more elaborate, but it was too elaborate to really get into. They decide that they're going to, um, they're going to try to recover the bodies. They're going to try to go this way. They're going to try to go that way. They finally are like, we can't get the bodies up. They're going to have to stay there and we're shutting these caves down for good. That's it. So they shut the caves down. Patrick's like, nope, we're not leaving anybody behind. And he had promised Jari H's wife they would get the body. Because also, for insurance purposes, they have to prove he died. Or she's not going to get oh any. God. Yes, exactly. You so, think the police could be like, we know he's dead. He's I know. In there, we can't I know. But you know, how do you prove he wasn't? I you know. know what I mean? So he gets the three survivors. And so Patrick is the one who initially dis- discovers this cave system. He discovers it with this other guy. I'm not even going to get into his name. He was not on the d- the tragic dive, but he contacts him. So Patrick, the three survivors, and this guy he discovered the caves with all decide they're going to go in and they're going to get these bodies out. It's a very elaborate planning process mm-hmm. where they were putting tanks in certain parts of the, the caves. They were trying to, they actually set up a part of the cave where divers could go in, take the equipment off, eat take a breath go in they start one day the guy that they brought in hadn't slept well he was too traumatized they called the dive off they go back again it takes like a week they wind up going back in and um they retrieve both bodies from the caves they have since opened the caves back up which i don't know why you would Mm -hmm. they open the caves back up and they continue doing their both times. All right. So I'm going to tell two more stories and then I'm done. So I was watching TV. Please don't ask me what show it was because I don't remember. But when I was at work doing a little research, one of my coworkers got all into it. So he starts looking it up and the story popped up again. So I'm watching the story and they're talking about this boat that sinks to the bottom of the ocean. The divers are going in to retrieve the bodies off the boat. Mm -hmm. Pitch fucking black on the bottom of the ocean. Mm-hmm. The divers are wearing body cams. So the divers... And wreck diving 
adds a whole, it's like cave diving. It adds a whole nother level of my husband's done wreck diving, but you can get trapped. Yeah. You can get cut off. It's a whole level. So these guys know what they're fucking doing. So he's in the boat. He puts his hand in and he goes, Jesus Christ, somebody's alive. <gasps> Somebody grabs his hand. They light up. This poor bastard. And I was sweating. I woke up in the middle of the night sweating, thinking of this happening to me. He went down with the ship and he got stuck in an air pocket under the water for three days. Oh my God. Three days. And this guy was like, there's somebody fucking alive in here. Holy shit. So you see him. He's sitting. He has no shirt on. And he is on the brink of death because now he's starting to rebreathe his own CO2 because he's been in there for three. He was... And he's going to be fucking freezing. Could you imagine? No, he was sweating. Sweating to death. Oh, because the heat. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine pitch black waiting to die? That's all you're doing is waiting to die. Yeah, literally. He has quite the will to live because I think... I would have sunk right under the water and killed me. Okay, I'm going to go swim out. Took him hours to bring him up because he's already in a bad way, rebreathing his own CO2. Took them hours to bring him up. Only survivor of this wreck. I can't even fuck... It, it woke me up in the middle of the night thinking of what I would do if I was stuck underwater no, like that. I can't even... And I watched it with the I'm camera. I'm sitting on the bottom of the ocean, but I, I'm alive. I'm in, in the pitch black. Yeah, no. I listening to the sounds of the ocean. Nope, nope, nope. nope. Just waiting to die. Um, and then last but not least happened this year, June 2021. Lobster diver Michael <laughs> Packard is off Herring Cove Beach down the Cape looking for his lobsters in the bottom of the ocean, mind his own fucking business, because lobsters crawl around and you pick them up. He sees a school of striped bass shoom, fly by him. He sees a school of sea lance shoom, fly by him. Not making the connection. That's a food chain flying by his face. Next thing he knows, like, I feel something bump, bump me from behind. It goes fucking black. <laughs> so, Laura, mm-hmm. your favorite whale in the world with that big nasty pouch under his mouth oh, wow. is working his way like I would through a buffet with his mouth wide open. He's just scooping whatever's in front of him. Scoops Michael up. Michael's like, it goes black. And I can feel, like, everything squishing me. He's like, I'm in there maybe... 30 to 40 seconds, no. and I can feel him moving. So on the boat is, where's this guy's name? Mayo. Mayo Nays, where are you? His last name's Mayo. Mayo's hanging out in the boat. Where the hell are you, Mayo? I put you in there. Um, He's up on the boat, and he's like, all of a sudden, I see all this shit happening on the water. This whale pops out of the water, shakes its head, boom, here comes Michael out of the guy's mouth. I can shoot him across the water. He's probably like, what the I just eat like I do sometimes. What was that a bug? Um, and Packard like he's like it was black. All of a sudden I see light. Next thing I know I'm back in the water. <laughs> Thank God. Oh Josiah Mayo, that's his name. Thank God he had scuba equipment on. Yeah, because I don't know if he would have survived it. Um, so he winds up. You know they pull him out of the water. They send him to the hospital. He's got some bumps and scrapes, but he was fine. And they're like. Yeah, it could happen. It probably has never happened before. There are people down the Cape who were skeptical of this story, yeah. saying it didn't really happen. But I could totally see that happening. You know, they're not, they, you know, the, the experts, like, when the whales are eating like that, they can't see. They're just scooping whatever the hell's in front of them. Right. And they don't have teeth. So they're not going to chomp on you like an orca would. Right. Um, the guy's like, at first I thought it was a shark. Do you know how big that shark would have to be for you <laughs> for to be you, completely in, man. Yeah, <laughs> completely in his mouth? Um. 
So, yeah. So he... Well, it was probably the bump. The bump would scare me that it was a shot because yeah. they bumped Well, it. I don't think he even had chance to register the bump to darkness. It, they get bumped oh. in the dark. Like, boom, boom, in the whale's mouth. So I think Michael's going to change his name to Jonah yeah. and become Jonah and the whale. I I wouldn't be getting back in that water. Nope. 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 I, uh, I, no. I, you know what? I have no desire to go underwater. I have no desire to go to space. I want to die with green grass under my feet, fucking blue skies over my head, trees, flowers. I do not want to die in an environment I can't control. Nope. Not meant to be down there. If I have to wear a ton of equipment to breathe, it is not the place for me. It's not meant for me to go. So I was supposed to write safety tips for diving, um, which I completely bailed on. But you should, before you dive, you should go to a qualified diving class get certified from a qualified don't go to these fly-by-night operations down the caribbean go to a paddy course they have different courses for diving never never dive alone Mm -hmm. brian said like so my husband's been diving for over 30 years and he's like back in the day you never dove alone he goes now fucking gone people are alone why they just so he belongs to this organization organization called Operation Blue Pride. Operation Blue Pride is an organization for vets. They will teach you how to dive. They will help you get equipment fifty percent off, beautiful equipment, all brand new stuff. Mm-hmm. Don't borrow people's equipment. Don't use old equipment. Mm-hmm. This is your breathing equipment. It has to be top notch. Yeah. Like you don't want to fuck around and be cheap with right. your breathing equipment. So. This brings in a lot of um, vets. Mm -hmm. A lot of the young guys, gone. They don't want to be bothered. What happens is Brian is used to having a dive buddy. He's very patient. He's an excellent teacher. So the newer divers, the older divers, latch onto him. Mm -hmm. So he said the last dive he did, he goes, literally, the guy's a Vietnam vet. (laughs) It's like, guys don't like a couple of dives. So Brian's helping him out. And the, the, the woman running the program is like, could you take care of this guy he's like he didn't even make it down the first time and then they did a tank he came back up he said the second time he's like you know and he's trying to help them he's it's hard so brian's like i always get stuck with the guys who you know they're new and and he has this one dive buddy he met who's a newer diver as well and well anytime he's going on any kind of dive he's calling brian will you please go with me i'm going to the caymans will you come with me brian's like i can't go to the caymans dude but he won't dive without brian because he knows brian will take care of him brian's safe Mm -hmm. it's his dive buddy Mm -hmm. so please just don't cheap out on equipment go to a reliable source be safe about it don't be stupid i could have given you more tips but i didn't because this this is getting long um hey caitlin i'm getting ready to sit back and relax while laura talks <laughs> it's gonna get soft so sit close go ahead laura all right um i did white water rafting Ooh, yes. i love white water rafting. i like white, white water. love it kid my um uncle richard has been asking for like i think the last five years to go white water oh we God, just so we were supposed fun. to go one weekend and something happened and blah, blah blah like we have to make the trip we'll we'll do it we'll do it richard but i just we gotta get a Richard. I'm going together. to. Okay. Nicole's coming with. I'm coming. Oh, my auntie Kathy will be there. So. Oh, perfect. Because yeah. I friggin' love yeah. whitewater rafting. Um. So rafting has become very popular Ooh. over the last ten years or so. Millions of people partake in the sport, mostly through commercial companies. So mm-hmm. you go like you're on vacation up in the White Mountains. Maine's got a million yeah. of them. You stop. You know, there's a sign on the side of the road, whitewater rafting. You go. Yeah. You check in. So most people do whitewater rafting through these companies. 
Um, anyone can go on a rafting trip while on like big K through one of these companies, no experience needed. Right. Um, you're given a helmet, a life vest, an oar, and you're sent on your way with a guy. Um, rapids, uh, they're fun. But they're a blast. But they're dangerous. Dangerous. There's, and there's different categories. So rapids range in category from one to six. One is like the weakest. Six is the strongest. Six can cannot or should not be rafted. Um, most companies take tourists on like twos, threes, um, enthusiasts go higher. Mm-hmm. People who do this the without the company, they go by themselves. They have their own boats, whatever, rafts. Um, whether you are a on a one and you're a novice or you're on a five as an expert, there are dangers Yep, regardless. Well, um, experts get overconfident. Right. Um, class one. So a class one rapid, it has very small rough areas. They may require slight maneuvering, like, oh, back back pedal this way yeah um your skill level you're basic like <laughs> you're basic can you walk down the thing with the raft and get in <laughs> can it? you you're hold a paddle it. you're yeah. good um class two rapids so there's some rough water maybe some rocks might require some maneuvering your skill level basic paddling skills mm-hmm. like you have to know how to go how to put it in the water put it push in the back <laughs> you know like you push forward but then how to push it back where yeah. you know yeah to churn which side to put it on to do that um, class three has small waves, small drops, no quote unquote considerable danger. Um, <laughs> they may require significant maneuvering. Skill level is some experience in rafting. So if you're on a three, you should have rafted before. Mm-hmm. Um, class four is whitewater. It has medium waves, maybe rocks, may have considerable drops, which I love the drops. Um, <laughs> Shot maneuvers may be needed. Skill level is exceptional rafting experience. So unless you are an avid rafter, you should not be on a class four. That's only a four. What is That's a, a six? Like fucking Niagara Falls? Six should not be. You should not raft a six. Wow. Um, class five is white water. Has large waves, large volume. There's the possibility of large rocks and hazards. Possibility of large drops. Requires precise maneuvering and skill level is full mastery of rafting. Yeah, no, that's not me. Mm-hmm. Class six. I'm a good one, one or two. Yeah, I could do a two, possibly two. a three. Um, class six is considered so dangerous they are effectively unnavigable on a reliably safe basis. So you might think, okay, we can get through this pass and blah blah blah, yeah, but no. then the next time you go, it's yeah. completely different because the lot yeah. is different. Um, it has substantial white water, huge waves, huge rocks and hazards. Substantial drops that cause severe impact um, beyond structural capacities of equipment. So you're oh, dropping so far, it's not going to break the raft. Yeah, you're going over Niagara Falls. Yeah. Um, rafting a class six has a dramatically increased chance of ending in severe injury or death compared to lesser classes. Skill level is full mastery of rafting, and even then, it is not safe. So just stay off a of six. Right. But the problem with these sixes is before they weren't raftable. Now, because technology is so advanced, so the rafts are getting better and all these people are attempting it more because they think they can do it. They're safer things. You shouldn't do it. Um, Moving water always poses a risk. Water always poses a risk. Never mind moving water. But other inherent safety risks include fallen trees, rocks, dams, and waterfalls. Dams. Damn those dams. Um, The top five dangers associated with rafting are... Drowning. Drowning. Head injury. Um, yeah. So, so there's drowning, right? Mm-hmm. You're getting into the moving water with the risk of being thrown from a boat. Mm-hmm. There is a high risk of drowning. Yep. 
Especially um, if you don't know how to swim. Right. There was also the risk of the boat flipping and being stuck under it. Yeah. That. Yep. 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 Um, yep. Yep. You come out of the boat. You hit your head on some like rock yep. or whatever. Yep. You come unconscious. You can't swim if you're unconscious. Nope. You um, drown. You should wear a life jacket. Um, but there are dangers that negate those. Like say your boat flips, your foot stuck up under the seat yep. or on one of the loops. It doesn't matter if you have a life jacket or not. You're under a fucking yeah, raft. You're stuck. Into the water. You're done. Mm-hmm. Um, two is hypothermia. Um, up here, especially, I'm sure down in... Those rivers are fucking cold. You know, mm-hmm. South America, wherever they're warm. Up here, it's running from the top of a mountain. That's where this water is yeah. coming from. The freezing cold snow. And it's not like the we have a long summer. Right. It's only for a them month to heat or two up. to heat yeah. up. It's, you've got July and August yeah. and then it's cold. And that's when you're going and it's not that warm. So white waters are, like I said, spring runoffs and they come from melting snow. They are freezing mm-hmm. cold. You get in that water, you're freezing. Yep. And three, o- overexertion. Rafting is very physically challenging. It's not like... I mean, I know anybody can go get on and do it, but yes, but you're you're paddling and you're right. um, stressed. If you're on a one and you're brand yeah. new and never done, you're probably not working too hard. The guy <laughs> can probably do the whole boat. If you're on a two, three, four, yeah. you are working. working. Yep. Um, they can cause dehydration, um, heart attacks, exhaustion, and exhaustion can lead to other injuries mm-hmm. and death because you I'm get tired. sloppy. Yep. You can't hold yourself up when you go over that bump. You know, like there's other risks to being exhausted. Um, number four is hitting rocks. Um, that's what's causing the rapids is the rocks. Right. <laughs> but when your boat hits a rock, rock, if you can't maneuver it, they see the rock. They try to get you to maneuver the boat. If you don't know how to maneuver that boat, you're hitting that rock, mm-hmm. which can then f- cause your raft to flip. It can cause people to be launched from the raft. It can cause injuries just from the force of hitting them. Mm-hmm. If you hit that rock hot enough. Yeah. There's only so much rubber on that boat. Right. Um, it launches you all over the place. You hit someone. That's a nightmare. Um, and number five, getting stuck in river features. You river get up, caught, caught, caught up in whirlpools. River features. Features, sorry. Um, waterfalls, dams, fallen trees, which there's fallen trees all, all over the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you get caught up in those, it can lead to you drowning. Because you're going to get trapped. Yep. So there's white water deaths by decade. They started <laughs> recording this in 1977. 1977 to 1986, there were 48 deaths from whitewater rafting. And this is across the United States? Yeah. 1987 to 1996, 219 deaths. Ooh. 1997 to 2006, 453 deaths. <gasps> wow. 2007 to 2016, 530 deaths. So they're rapidly increasing. They're rapidly increasing because the sport is becoming, becoming popular. Yeah. And it's, it's civilians can do it. Like right. anybody can do it. Right. Um, and like I, these numbers are attributed to the huge rise in the amount of people participating in this sport. There was only about one death per 250,000 to 400,000 quote unquote person visits with commercial <laughs> rafting companies. So one in about 400,000 die. Um, 30% of those deaths are caused by drowning. Heart attacks. I was going to say heart attack. I was going to say heart attacks yeah. because a friend of mine dated a whitewater rafting guy and then was married to a whitewater rafting guy. And that happened all the time. Yeah. All the fucking time. It, it's usually, you know, someone has a heart condition. They're overexerting oh, yeah. I mean, themselves. You have a heart attack. Um, you're literally more likely to be struck by lightning than die in a rafting trip. So pretty safe. Well, maybe we'll cover lightning strikes yeah. sometime. So to keep safe, don't take a rafting trip if you have a heart condition. Wear proper safety gear. Go with an experienced guy. Do not drink. 
stay hydrated, listen to the instructions, pay attention to the environment, mm-hmm. check the waters. If it has rained a shit ton, those rapids are going to be insane. It's going to be more And then water. some of these rapids, they'll, they have the day that the dam releases more water than right. usual. So they'll raft on that day. Make sure that's not the day you're going. Right. <laughs> Um, and check, always check the weather. Mm-hmm. There could be flash floods, mm-hmm. there could be lightning, there could be anything. Always check the weather before you do any of these sports. So, um, I have a couple stories. I love stories. In October 2018, Americans from Miami went to Costa Rica for a bachelor party. I don't know if you remember this. this I would love to be able to go to Costa Rica right. for any kind yeah. of party. Yeah. Over the weekend, they went white water rafting. There were 14 tourists and five guides on the trip. Around 3 p.m. That's, that's a good, you know, like 14 to 5. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty yeah. good. Um, around 3 p.m., three rafts flipped on the Narhan, Nar, I don't know. On, on river. some river on in Costa river. Rica. Um, five victims were carried downstream. The, S, the rest of them were all able to cling to their rafts until they could be rescued. The tourists who died were Ernesto Sierra. So the, all those five, the five died. died. They were taken away and. Fuck. Yeah. The tourists who died were Ernesto Sierra, Jorge Caso, Sergio Lorenzo, and Andres Dennis. A local guide, Kevin Thompson Reed, also died. Wow. The National Emergency Commission had an alert issued in the area for the possibility of flooding because the river was very swollen due to rain. But they still went. Well, they went anyway. Um, Nobody's heeding those warnings. No. Um, I guess in Costa Rica, a lot of... I shouldn't say a lot. They were investigating a lot of the tourists attractions because they're not regulated they're not regulated like i know zip lining is an issue down there as well so just be careful always go to a well-known place Mm -hmm. that you know has very strict guidelines you gotta remember too when you're in another country they don't have to have the regulations on this stuff that the united states does so they may not be as trained as you think or have regulations or been inspected Mm -hmm. you get it you take your life in your own hands when you leave Mm -hmm. um so those five died even though there was a warning out for um, flooding. I wonder if they got married anyway. I don't know. Imagine like five people going to your wedding died or five people at the wedding party died. That's, I don't, that's kind of a black cloud on my wedding. Um, in September of 2020, Luvella Yelton Arrowwood How was on a rafting trip. She was one of 14 guests who were on three rafts with three guides. So one guide per raft. Mm-hmm. She was on the last raft to enter the rapid called Quarter Mile. The first two rafts made it through fine. Last one flips. Five guests made it safely to the rafts waiting below. Uvella, who is 64, oh. pops up at a spot called Hungry Jack. Then they don't see her again. And then she's flushed out and resurfaces in a spot called Sixth Drop, where people can finally recover her. So they see her. She's under. And she she's pops out. up somewhere else. She pops. She resurfaces. They can grab her. Um, she's unconscious when she's recovered. Guides and other people started CPR. She's taken out of the area, but was then pronounced dead. There were no signs that she was caught on anything. There was no trauma to her body. Just drowned. Um, cause of death was drowning. Um, so the guides too, when they, somebody goes out, they have those throw bags that they'll throw yeah. you to hopefully, you know, Get tow you, you in. So, right. but they all flipped. So I don't know yeah, that so the guy yeah. could have yeah, done exactly. that. And the, the other two boats were already down, like, in right. the pool. Um, and then this one is a, a local girl. Uh-oh. I saw it, and I was like, oh, I have to do oh, her. Cool, she's local. 
Um, Rebecca Knight was raised in Malden, Massachusetts. <gasps> Rebecca's mm-hmm. in Malden! Mm-hmm. And graduated Malden High School oh, in Oh, wow, she's out of your hood. She loved camping, hiking, and biking. Oh, I don't like how you said I she know. loved camping. She got her um, bachelor's in business from Arcadia University in Pennsylvania. And then she moved to Fort Collins, Colorado in 2013 because of her love for the outdoors. She's like, this place is perfect. I can mm-hmm. hike. I can do all that stuff. I love it. Um, she became a sales manager at REI. She was a strong advocate for the environment. She made sure things she ate and wore were like sustainably sourced. She's vegan and all that shit. Yes, very aware of the environment. Mm -hmm. Really loves the outdoors. Um, She also loved animals. She adopted two stray dogs. Good person, salt of the earth. Just love being outside. In June of 2014. This is not going to end well (laughs) for Rebecca. Rebecca went white water rafting with three other people on the Poudre River in Colorado. In a private raft. Like, mm-hmm. her friends must have had a raft she went in. The raft overturned. Three people were fine. Rebecca was gone. She was found downstream and was airlifted to the medical center of the Rockies where she died. Rebecca was the third person to die on that river since Memorial Day. This was June. What happened? The rapid snowmelt made the river flow at five times its historic average. For that time of year. Uh, so the river was completely swollen, very hard to navigate. And nobody's paying attention to this. Right. The other two, she was the third person to die like in like two weeks. The other two, I believe, were like a father and a son that were like fishing on this, the side of the river. So they the were, rip, river came up and they took them away. Took them, yeah. Um, Rebecca Knight was 26 years old. Oh. Yeah. I take it she drowned? She drowned. Um, Rebecca. They had life jackets on. How it doesn't matter yeah, when the water is rushing that high. So then there was a story. Now, of course, I'm, it's going to take me an hour and a half to find it because I never know how to do that. Recently in the news, it wasn't white water rafting, but it was like tubing. Was it the people that went over? Did yes. I send you that one? Yeah, I might have it. Um, I thought <laughs> we constantly are finding articles for each other, and I'll be like, "This will be good for your waterfalls," and she'll write back, "Well, this should be good for this," and. Um, so from fox8.com, there was an article, three dead, two missing after a group of tubers go over North Carolina dam. A group of nine people, family, mm-hmm. are floating down this Dan River in just like inflatable tubes. Mm-hmm. They come to a dam. Most people apparently get out and walk around said dam. They all go over the dam. Three of four of them die. Two or three were missing. The rest got rescued. Um, I think now they found everybody but one 35-year-old woman. A seven-year-old was one of the people who died. Um, The dam is about eight feet high, and but boating experts told the news station, like the these low-head dams, like it's not high, are notorious for trapping people in the powerful current that churns at their base. It's like a turbine. Yeah. Um Recent rains created mud that obscured, like, a portage area where boaters and tubers can exit. Oh. So they don't think they saw how to get out. So they didn't know what, what to do. I'd find a fucking place to I know, you're trying to figure it out. Um, like I said, the gir- one of the girls said that they, the mother, they knew she was drowned. They were trying to get her body. They okay. had to just let her go because they would have, they were like, we would have drowned too. Um, Ruben Valino, 35, his daughter Irene Valino, 18, his son Eric Valino, 14, and Carlos Valino, 14, 
were rescued. Oh, I thought you were going to say the whole thing. No, those, those people lived. The bodies of British Crawford, 27, Antonio Ramon, 30, and Sophie Wilson, 14, were recovered oh. that night. And then they recovered the body of Isaiah Crawford, which was British mm-hmm. British's son. He was seven. They recovered him, like, Sunday morning. So, like, several yeah. days later. Um, Teresa Villano is still missing. Oh. And... That's a terrible storyline. I know. You have to like be careful. Story, Watch the signs. Well, you know, we went tubing a few years back. And um, we were tubing other people. No, we were kayaking. Other people in the party were canoeing. But on this particular river, everybody's tubing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the problem with the tubing is it's usually like an all-day event, and people are fucking loaded Mm -hmm. drunk. Mm -hmm. Like, wow, are they drunk. And they're out in the sun, Mm -hmm. and they're dehydrated. So we're going through this one section, and this girl is, she must have gotten out of her tube to go to the bathroom. And she's standing in like, she's probably up to her knees in the water. And she's staring at me. She was out to lunch, dude. She mm-hmm. was so drunk. She was out to fucking lunch, kind of like staggering. And I, I, I was like, are you all right? Yeah. She's just looking at me. I'm like, are you going to be okay? And the people are like, oh, she'll be fine. She'll be fine. That's not a good idea no. to be in the water and that drunk. And on, have you ever seen a tube with a life jacket on? Never. Yeah. Because I think they think that tube well, is enough to save right. them. And a lot of that water isn't terribly deep. But you're going over rocks and right, stuff. Right, but if you hit your head... Uh, Absolutely. And you're like drunk. Anything. Yeah. They're shit-faced. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's like safe. a flotilla going down with just nothing but 20 tubes. Mm-hmm. One guy actually had a grill on the boat. Like, he had a canoe. <laughs> on the tube? He had a fucking grill on the on the canoe. I was like, really? A grill? Oh, God. Yeah. All right. Please be careful. Yeah. So we have one little excerpt from um, this person works with Mike. And she's down in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mike makes a comment to her basically about how great the Tower of Terror is. And she writes back, um, Luke did it twice. He also did some crazy rides at Universal. But I listen to Scissors and Scrubs way too much, especially the summer series. And I'm like, nope, I'm good. <laughs> so good sorry. decision. Yeah, sorry to ruin it for everybody, but, you know, we're just trying to keep you safe out Buddy there. Buddy is still alive and breathing tonight. I mean, you know, this podcast gives you a little glimpse of my mind. Because yes. no matter what I do, that's what I see. Uh-huh. I see death, mayhem, dismemberment in literally every activity yeah. I do every day. Yeah. So you're just getting a little glimpse of the psychoses in my head and, and Lars said literally what my kids say to me all the time you say that about everything because it can happen during everything because we see it yeah. what you do know, you not understand the other night the kids asked us like what's the craziest thing you've seen we have to go back 28 years worth of crazy shit we I see I couldn't even come up with anything because there's been so many bizarre shit that people have done to themselves or been involved in or caught in I couldn't even come up with anything later I was thinking about like the Boat propeller. Uh-huh. Yeah. We covered her in one of the episodes. Yeah. Um, you just... Bizarre accents. I mean, I'm just going to add again. I've said this on previous... Set, stay away from the fucking table saws. Please. S- Maine, Vermont, and New Hampshire. Listen loudly. <laughs> Unless you want to spend extended time in Boston. Don't touch the table saws or the log splitters. Leave it- the safeties on. Yes. And just don't do it. Don't push anything right. through. Yes. If it's stuck, shut it off. Figure and it out. And don't use somebody else's hands to push it through. No, okay? don't ask because for help. Because no. 28 years in, every week, forever, 
somebody has cut their fingers off. And now it's a running joke. Are they from Maine? Yeah, how'd you know? Mm. Wild guess. They're from Maine. We take bets. Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire. Which one you go? Which one you go? One of them. Oh, this one's from Vermont. Log splitter. Yes. Guess how'd you know that? So, um, again, that was another installment of our lovely, Mm -hmm. lovely world famous um, summer series. Uh, What do we have coming up next? I think we're getting ready for the Summer Olympics. My favorite two weeks. I fucking hate the Olympics. Oh, my God. How do you hate the Olympics? What's the music of the Olympics? Why am I blanking on it? It's like, dun, dun. Yeah. Dun, dun. Mike, Mike. Yeah, that's it. That's yeah, it. Mike. Dun. Mike, Mike, Mike. He's going to start that episode with the music that I can't remember. I know it starts with the dun. Yeah. How do you? I literally. Because they I'm never. I'm devastated because we're going to be away for like almost all of it. Why do I feel like you're going to make us watch it anyway? Well, I feel like if we go to a restaurant that happens to have TVs, we should probably sit inside so I can watch the Olympics. <sighs> I love them. <sighs> I love them. I have my USA sweatshirt ready to go. <laughs> USA, USA. I will cheer for anything they do. Well, I mean, you know how patriotic I am. I don't care. It's nose picking. We're gonna take the gold in it. That's all I gotta yeah. say. I mean, it's fucking we always, great. I always have the medal count. So I'm sure Greg Luganis is gonna pop up oh, in that God. episode. Yeah, he's make that was a parents. devastating injury. Good God. And, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, he was gorgeous. Probably still is gorgeous. Um. So yeah, we're gonna cover. Uh, and if I can remember the song, I'd sing it to you. But dun, I, I keep wanting to do the wedding match, but I know this yeah. song. I, I do too. I want to be like, dun, but it's going to turn into Darth Vader's theme. Yeah, like, I'm, like, dun, I'm going dun, somewhere dun, else, dun. I know exactly the song. Yeah, you can hear it, yeah. but I cannot. No, get it out I of can't come mouth. up. No. I can see the rings floating in a flag in front of my face. Oh my God, I love the Olympics. Yeah. I'm so excited. All right, so we're going to take you to Tokyo. We're going to the Olympics. Yeah. Go to the Olympics, mom. Doing it. We're going to take the gold on that episode. I think someday I could probably do power walking. I mean, I better hurry up because I'm getting old. But I'm pretty sure I could do that. You know what I could do? What? Synchronized swimming. Yes! <laughs> yes, queen! Synchronized. I could do a mean kick above the water line. <laughs> At I the same do... time as someone else. Yep. You and I could do that. Maybe we could do our we own. Try. We have long legs. We do. We, we could do, do this. Yeah. And my toes would be wicked pointy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very precise we could do. Yeah. I yeah. think that's my sport. That is, I should go back in time. If I could tell my youngest self anything and yeah. be getting a synchronized swimming. A mother who had retired, um, I believe she's a diver, made the Olympic team. She retired. She had As kids. As a diver? Yeah. Retired, had kids, whatever. Went back to the trials. She's on the Olympic team. I'm like, She's forty something. I can do it. Yeah. I got this, Laura. I mean, I was never an Olympic athlete. Me to do anything in the Olympics would require training, which I means I wouldn't be able to eat anything I wanted to eat. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to drink. You know what you could do? Winter Olympics curling. You can eat and drink. I could do weightlifting, because you have to beef up for that shit. Yeah, that's really heavy though. Yeah, I'd break my back. Like I can't. I have a bad back now. Really heavy. Like, maybe. I wait for their arms to sublux. Yes. Like. Maybe curling. Maybe I will. Curling, you can drink, like, all My mother's ice. been training me for curling since I was eight. Sweeping up and shit. <laughs> I've been training for that shit my whole my life. life. Maybe we could do that. Yeah. I could there is the a gold. curling club in Boston. Is there? Yeah. Oh, we should go interview them. We should. That'd be a great yeah. winter, you know? Curling. Yeah. I mean, if eating was an Olympic sport, oh, it'd be it. great. Nail it. Sitting on the beach, I'd be all over it. All right. All right. We've digressed. Yeah. All right, so we'll see you at the Olympics in Tokyo. <laughs> Have a wonderful, wonderful time. Safe flight. Don't get airsick on the way over no, there. Don't please. take any high-speed no. trains while you're over there. No. And we will meet you in Tokyo. Bye. Bye-bye. Yep. Like, subscribe, rate, and review the Scissors and Scrubs podcast on whatever podcast app you listen to us on.
Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Scissors and Scrubs. And email us any of your stories or thoughts to scissorsandscrubs at gmail.com.